Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Now take your Bibles, please, and turn to James chapter 5. Now, many Christians have distorted views of prayer. And I'm going to share three of those distorted views this morning. And then we're going to look in the book of James and we're going to see how James corrects the misunderstanding of these three distorted views. The first distorted view is that many believe that if we just have enough faith, then God will do what we want. You got to pray in faith. You got to have enough faith. I remember talking to a lady and she was facing a great difficulty and she said, but I just got to believe. I got to believe. I think that's probably the worst movie I ever watched was this kid just kept saying, you got to believe. You got to believe. It was such a terrible movie. We laughed through it. It was supposed to be inspirational, but it wasn't. Uh, There's a lot more than just got to believe. And we'll look at that this morning. To them, a failure to get what you wanted in prayer It's because you didn't believe hard enough. Like God's this genie who does what we want when we believe enough. Another uh, distortion of prayer is many believers uh, believe that you have to get a lot of people praying. And so I get prayer requests, emails from people that I don't even know, just scattering, trying to get people to pray and and uh, to know that the more people you have praying, the more likely God will answer your prayers. And there's a very popular Christian writer who wrote some fiction books that that incorporated some spiritual teaching and some non-spiritual teaching. And in his book, he said, the angels are waiting for enough believers to pray, then when the prayer shield is up, the angels can act. That's not biblical. The angels act exactly when and only when God says, hey, do this, go, and they serve all the time. So that's a false teaching. We'll look at that. You don't need a lot of believers to pray, and James talks about that. And a third thing that James talks about is that most believers seem to think that significant answers to prayer are for other people, not for them. As if, you know, if you were a missionary, then God would really listen to you. Or if you were a pastor, then God would really listen to you. Or if you had lived in the 1600s, then God would have really listened to you. God listens and acts today on behalf of everyone, not just missionaries and pastors, everyone. So James is the half-brother of Jesus, and he encouraged believers to pray regularly, intentionally, in the name of their Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, and he corrects each of these three false assumptions. And so we're going to begin this morning talking about when is the best time to pray. And I want you, if you're in James chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13, and I'm going to go ahead and read through verse 18, and then we're going to go back and talk about some of what's taught here, okay? James 5, 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Some of you at home are experiencing this. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing psalms. Is anyone, I'm sorry, I left something out. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. 
Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Father, give us understanding as we look in your word. Help your, may your Holy Spirit help us to appreciate and understand and learn and be encouraged by the truths in your word this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So when is the best time to pray? What does it say at the beginning of verse 16? Sorry, verse 13. When you're suffering, one of the best times to pray is when life hurts. How often does life hurt? It depends on your life, but often. Quite a few people are afflicted or suffering. I looked at the uh, Arizona Motor Vehicle Department. I was just curious earlier this week. I thought, I wonder how many car accidents there are in a year. According to the Arizona Motor Vehicle Department, there are 125,000 car accidents in Arizona. Some included fatalities or injuries, but every single one of them, like the little one where the person ran into my mirror, Uh, It adds stress and time and attention and money for repairs. We average more than 68,000 deaths. Arizona averages more than 68,000 deaths a year from unintentional accidents. Now, this is not a redneck saying, hey, y'all watch this, and then he dies. But but this is vehicular accidents, falls, and drug-related deaths. And our highest rates of death are cardiac issues with the heart and cancer. So each death affects the immediate family, the extended family, the church family, friends, coworkers, neighbors. Each death affects a lot of people. So there's a lot of hurting people in the state of Arizona. And did you know that your skin has more than 1,290 Sensory neuron pain receptors per square inch. That's a lot. And when you get a bruise that's only the size of a pencil eraser, as many as 200 pain receptors respond to that. I meant to bring a pencil up here and have Ben come up and I would illustrate it for you guys. Uh, But... uh, That's a lot of pain receptors. And some days especially if you have like diabetic neuropathy and other, some days dozens of them, hundreds of them are all firing at the same time and you feel it up and down different parts of your body. I could tell you how I know that, but just trust me on that one, okay? We live in a body and in a world filled with pain, filled with suffering filled with accidents and injuries, with illness and pandemics, and with physical and emotional trauma. Who are you going to call? Call God. 
Talk to God in prayer. Uh, Call out to him. When life hurts, call unto the Lord. The second part of verse 13, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. When you feel blessed, that's a wonderful time to pray to God. The psalms are filled with woeful expressions of agony, pain, and fear, but they're also filled with hundreds of expressions of praise and rejoicing for who God is and what God does. Listen to these verses. Psalm 145, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Psalm 146. I just picked these verses from the last few Psalms. Psalm 146, verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Psalm 149, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. That's what we've been doing here this morning in the assembly of the saints. We've been singing praise to God. Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness. And the final verse of all the Psalms is Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Talk to God and thank him for his blessings. Praise him for the beauty of his creation. Uh, Kathy's doing a, a gratitude journal kind of thing this year where every day she's writing down something she's thankful for and praising God for that day. You could be doing something similar. Focus on prayers. You know, God doesn't just want to hear, hey, God, I hurt. My body hurts or my emotions hurt, and I need your help. God also loves to hear you praise him. And, you know, I like to spend time out walking and and, uh, hiking, although I can't hike like I used to, but I enjoy getting out there and walking and hiking and seeing outdoor. And I love to see the beauty of God's creation. And I saw some beauty that Megan didn't want to look at. I took a picture of it, and it was spectacular, and she didn't want to see the picture, but Leah did, and Anna did. It was the biggest, coolest, ugliest spider I've ever seen, and I got a close-up picture of the thing. The funny thing is, it was against a brick wall, so I had to throw water on the wall to get the wall dark enough that I could actually see the spider to be able to zoom in on it, because I just saw the movement, and I thought, oh, that's something big, and Even in that, there's majesty in what God has created. And we should praise him and appreciate him. So when's a good time to pray? When you're suffering. When's a good time to pray? When you feel blessed. Here's number three. When you feel sick. When you feel sick. How many of you ever in your life have ever felt sick? Yeah, everybody's hands went up. We've all felt sick. Look at verse 14. Uh, 
Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. When you feel sick, if you have COVID or the flu or a cold or an infection or a broken leg or a small cut, pray for healing. Uh, Medical people used to laugh at the anointing of oil mentioned here and in other passages of scripture. But you know what's really funny? I, I recently had to have a skin cancer surgery, uh, the, a big chunk of skin cut off my arm. And they, what they used to do is tell you, put antibiotic ointment on it regularly. You know what medical science has come to the conclusion? What should you put on that cut now? Um, <laughs> Vaseline. A petroleum jelly doesn't have to be the brand Vaseline, but you put that on that cut. So here I am in the hospital. Uh, they cut off that part of my arm. They work really hard to, oh, well. Anyway, they got it all stitched back together. I started to describe it, but I saw somebody about to pass out. So, uh, and, and they got it all ready to go, and then they slathered it with petroleum jelly with Vaseline, squirted it out of a tube and spread it all over, and then wrapped it all up, and they sent two tubes home with me. Every day I had to unwrap it, slather it again, well, wash it, and then slather it again, and then wrap it back up for a couple of weeks, and it healed See, medical scientists finally caught up with the Bible again. You know, the first time medical science used to say, hey, Kathy Bird is sick. I think I'll take some blood out of her. That'll help her relax and feel better. Well, now medical science says if somebody's really sick, you give them a transfusion. And yet all along, the Bible said the life of the flesh is in the blood. Medical science finally caught up to the Bible then, and they finally did again this year. They're now using oils to help heal. And so uh, I don't think you have to call the pastors and elders of the church. In our church structure, the elders would be me and the deacons. I, I don't think you need to call us and have us come and pray for you. I don't think it's wrong. But only once in my pastoral tenure of over 30 years has somebody asked me to anoint them with oil. And... Uh, He was a little bit of an obnoxious guy. And I thought about buying one of those gallon jugs of oil. (laughs) I didn't. I bought a little tiny thing of oil. And we did it. And we prayed for him. And God helped. But I don't think you, it's not the anointing of the oil that helps you heal, although oil can help a cut heal. It's confession to God. And in this particular instance, I think he's talking about sinful Sometimes you're sick because of sin. Uh, Paul wrote that to the church in Corinth. And when, when he was writing about preparing for the Lord's Supper, he said, there's some people who, didn't, who uh, didn't treat the Lord's Supper right, and so they are weak and sickly, and some of them have died. Some sickness is a result of sin. Some sickness is a result of living in a sin-cursed world. And so... Uh, every time you get sick, if you're sick, maybe you want to ask the Lord, is, are you trying to tell me something here? Are you trying to show me something? Do I need to confess something, move away from something? Uh, but you need to trust the Lord. When you feel sick, go to God first. Then if you need to see a doctor, go to the doctor. Uh, God has used doctors often to help us. Uh, we've been healed through surgeries and antibiotics and medicine and 
So medical people have helped us, but God is the only one who can actually heal. Doctors don't even understand how the body heals because sometimes it heals perfectly and other times it doesn't, and they don't know, and that's why they're called practicing physicians because there's only one physician who has it right, and that's the great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so when you feel sick, that's a great time to pray. God, please help me get through this. Now, sometimes it's an emotional sickness. You've got to get up and do something like you're going to... The, the uh, Public speaking is a, the number one fear in America, which is kind of weird. People fear speaking in front of people than da- death. So like if they had to go to a funeral, they'd rather be in the casket than the one having to speak at the funeral. And that's just... Jim Reeves and I used to joke that we had the fear of public quietness. <laughs> Having to keep our mouths shut was tough work, but, but that's a fear. And so let's just say that you have to speak up. You have to give a speech in your college class, or you have to stand up in front of a group of people and share something, and you feel fluttering nervous. Pray and ask the Lord to help you and give you the confidence to do it. All right, so here's another Number four, when you need forgiveness is a great time to pray. Look at verse 15. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. So when you need forgiveness. Sometimes the sickness is part of the judgment of God on your sin. We see that in scripture, but often it's not. If it is, then confession and repentance are required before healing. But it does not guarantee that prayer will heal all physical or emotional or mental stresses. God has used prayer, antibiotics, and surgeries to heal all of us in this room from different things. Ultimate healing is guaranteed in the life to come. There are faith healers out there who say, well, if you just believe enough, then God will heal you. You just got to believe and believe. And I don't know why, but a couple of different times I've watched faith healers on television and one of them was up there and, and this lady came forward and she said to him, I came here last month to get healed, and my problem's even worse now. And he just smacked her in the forehead hard enough to knock her down, and the people caught her. It's supposed to be being slain in the spirit, but he knocked this old lady down, just knocked her flat. And there was another faith healer, a different one. I didn't watch his show, but I watched the 60 Minutes or 2020 or some uh, a news uh, program expose on this faith healer. And they show him there, and he's got a little thing down in his ear, an earpiece, so he can hear stuff. And he gets up there, and, you know, they're saying, uh, there's a guy named Larry. And he, uh, I, I just have a feeling here today, there's, there's a guy named Larry, and he's, he's, oh, oh, he's over in this section over here. And then he'll walk along, and he'll walk right up to Larry and, and talk with him and pray for him, and Larry will be healed. And the whole time... The guy is putting these things uh, sound, and he's saying, all right, two more rows, two more rows. On your left, second chair, there he is. 
And, but he acts like the Holy Spirit has led this. And the, the news show, whichever one it was, they did the expose on this faith healer. And they played that somehow they were able to record what the guys were telling him because it's broadcast so they could receive it as well. They copied it and they reported it and they showed it was a total fraud. And his offerings went up. More people gave to his ministry because he was being persecuted by the government. You know, you need to believe in God. God can heal. I don't, the only faith healer I believe in is Jesus Christ. He could walk along and heal people. And God does heal, but he heals through the power of his Holy Spirit, not through the power of a person, man or woman, who claims to be his representative. So when you need forgiveness, when you're sick, you need to pray. When you need forgiveness, you need to pray. And, and remember, if you're praying for something, and God doesn't answer your prayer the way he wanted, you wanted him to, then remember Paul? When Paul prayed for God to take away his thorn in the flesh, what did God say? Two-letter two answer, what did God say? No. No. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength will show up in your weakness. And so there are times when God allows you to have difficulties, sometimes stacked on top of each other, multiple health issues. And you know what? That's okay. Trust and follow him. Pray for healing, pray for deliverance, but then trust him. Here's another one. Number five, pray when you intercede for others. Now, I have never met Thelma's daughter in the Philippines. I've met her son here. I've met another son. I've never met the daughter in the Philippines because she's not been here and I've not been there. Uh, hopefully, I'll see her in heaven. But, but you know what? I could pray for her and God can hear that prayer and God knows exactly who she is and where she is and what's going on and what the circumstances are. We can intercede for one another. Our, our church puts out a weekly prayer list and every week there's somebody mentioned on there or the one call like we did for Thelma's daughter. Every week there's something that goes out that you can pray for. Hopefully you have a personal prayer list and you pray for people. Because look at verse 14. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Call and get other people involved. It's okay to have other people praying for you. Verse 16, pray one for another that you may be healed. Pray for one another. That's God's plan. That's the structure. We pray for one another. We care for one another. We intercede for one another. And that's how it is with the Lord. Those of you who are homesick, a lot of folks have been praying for you guys. And so pray for one another. Now, how is the best way to pray? In the Old Testament and in the Gospels, uh, when people would pray, they would often pray with their hands out and they'd look up toward heaven. And that's the picture of the Pharisee. Remember, he was praying and he was praying like this, hands out and, and face up toward God. Now, uh, I can't lean forward very well because of internal issues. 
And so I was at a pastor's prayer thing, and uh, <laughs> somebody took a picture of us when we were all praying. And there's a room full of pastors, a bunch of us there, a couple dozen. And, and we're praying, and all the guys are either leaning way forward or they're, you know, put, have their hands on the table. Some of them are, are sitting back from the table and they're just like folded down on their knees. And others are, are on their knees on the ground with their arms on the chair and they're praying. And then in this picture, there's one guy who's not doing this. And that was me. I was leaning back in my chair and I had my legs propped up on another chair. And so here's this picture. All these guys, look, and there's me. Look like I'm taking a nap. But... But I can't lean forward very much. Uh, that's just what God has allowed into my life, and so that's it. And sometimes I'll go to pray, and I'll lean forward to start to pray, and then have to jerk back up because I can't breathe and have to lift my head up. And But it looked hilarious in that picture. I thought, we were praying. What was that guy doing taking a picture in the first place, right? I mean, uh, I should have been the one taking the picture since I couldn't lean over anyway. There's not a model way to pray. Some people say when you're really praying, when you're really intense, you lay on your face before the Lord like John the Apostle did on the Isle of Patmos when he had the revelation of Jesus Christ. No, there's not a right method. There's not a right way to stand. Uh, You can pray with your eyes open. If you're driving and pray, please keep your eyes open. You can pray with your eyes closed. Now, most of the time, we pray bowing before the Lord. That's a sign of submission to who God is. But see, the best way to pray, well, you can pray alone. Verse 16b, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. You don't need to recruit pair partners. God listens to you as you follow him. Your prayer makes a difference. You can pray all by yourself. Now, some people are uncomfortable with that. They got to have other people praying with them. It's okay to ask other people to pray. In fact, you can pray in partnership with others. That's what verse 16 of the beginning says. He says, confess your trespasses to one another, pray one for another, uh, and then, but also realize that your prayer alone makes a difference. So if you have a very personal thing, you don't have to share that with anyone else. You can just pray and God will just listen because he cares about you. Now, there are times when I won't listen to my wife. Usually it's because I can't hear her. Uh, There are times when she won't listen to me. Use this because she can't hear me. And you have kids, some of you living at home, you have pets. Uh, You can't guarantee that somebody's going to listen to you except in one way. Every single time you pray, God listens. Now, he doesn't always do what you want. Uh, James 4 says sometimes you ask for things God knows are bad for you, so he's not going to say yes to that. You're asking wrongly. You're asking for the wrong things. You're seeking the wrong things. So it's good to pray with other people, especially when your heart is particularly burdened. But please understand this. God does not need more people to pray so he can hear your request. 
other people praying doesn't help you with God. Other people praying helps you emotionally. It helps you when, when you have a burden and you know some other people are praying for you, that's a blessing to you. You might need the encouragement and blessing of having other people pray with you and for you, but God doesn't need more people praying in order to hear. Don't pray with others in an attempt to manipulate God. And we get enough people praying, man, God's going to do this, and you know we'll get our prayer shield going, and the angels will have to do it. That's not how God works. The effective, fervent prayer of one person makes a difference. So when you're recruiting other people to pray, do it with the mindset, I want them to help me, partner with me, not I want them to help force God's hand. Does that make sense? Did I express that well enough? Okay. And here's the third thing. How's the best way to pray? You can pray alone. You can pray in partnership with others. But you must pray in faith. You must pray in faith. And praying in faith is not manufacturing this, I got to believe, I got to believe, I got to have faith. Who focus, focus, focus. No. Uh, let's walk through James, okay? We'll read through the whole book right now. Just kidding. Just a few verses from it. All right, start in chapter 1. James chapter 1. I'll be right there. James chapter 1, verse number 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Look in chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. I made allusion to these earlier. Chapter 4, verse 2. You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And then you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss or wrongly that you may spend it on your pleasures. You're seeking the wrong things. All right, now chapter 5 and verse 15. Look in chapter 5, verse 15. We just read this earlier. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. The prayer of faith. Look at verses 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So you must pray in faith. Elijah was a person just like you. He had the same struggles, the same health issues that normal people on earth have. He had the same considerations, the same difficulties. And so there's three aspects of praying in faith. Let me share these with you. First of all, you pray with the confidence that God can do whatever we ask. That God could do whatever we ask. There's an old joke told about a, a guy who rubbed a bottle from a genie and, and a, a genie popped out of this bottle. 
And the genie says, now I'm a specialized genie. I can only do one thing, but I can do big, huge, huge things. So uh, what one thing would you like? And the guy said, well, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I get seasick in boats and I'm afraid to fly. I want you to build a bridge from California to Hawaii. And the genie's like, wow, that's just almost impossible. That's so big, so huge. Is there something else that you would like? And the guy said, well, I've always wanted to understand women. And the genie says, so this bridge, you want two lanes or four? (laughs) But, But listen, God can do it. Could God put a bridge in between California and Hawaii? Yes, I don't think he's gonna do it, but he could, or he could raise up the land so you could walk from California to Hawaii. That'd be something for you, Ben. But listen, you have to believe God can. If the God who said, let there be, and there was, that God can do anything. So when we pray, it's not, oh God, I hope you could do this. Please, could you possibly? You have to believe he can. As we've read in James, it doesn't mean he will, but he can do it. So that's part of praying in faith is the confidence that God can do this. Second part of praying in faith is the confidence that God will do what is right. That God will do what is right. James 4.3, you're asking wrongly, so my answer is no. I'm not going to give that to you. It would be bad for you. For instance, when Tuscany was a little girl, if she found a hand grenade that still had the pen in it and wanted to play with it, would Natasha have let her play with it? Not a chance. Would Brandon have? Maybe. No, (laughs) no, no. No way. No parent would. Why? Because that's really dangerous. When my dad was a judge, he had a, grenade sitting on his desk and it had a plaque on the bottom. It was on a plaque. The grenade was sitting on the base of a plaque and the plaque had this plate on the bottom. It said, pick a number. And there was a number attached to the pull pin of the grenade. (laughs) Pick a number. Yeah. Uh, He didn't want to hear complaints. He said that that took care of most of them right there. Just complaint department, take a number. Now, The truth is, there's times you don't want God to do what you prayed. I don't, he professes to be a Christian. Some of his songs aren't very Christian, but Garth Brooks had a song about, I thank the Lord for unanswered prayers. There's times when you're, you're so sure this is the right thing and you pray and then it doesn't happen. You have to trust that God will do what's right from his perspective. We're not talking the 30,000 foot elevation. We're talking Lord of the universe elevation. He will do what's right. Because God's not concerned with just this moment. He's concerned with all of eternity. And this moment is just a blip on the timeline of your life on earth. And your life on earth is just a blip on the timeline of eternity where there actually won't be much of a timeline. But God will do what's right. So when you're praying, you have to believe that. God, please heal me from this. 
understanding that God may allow you to have that sickness lingering so that you can witness to medical people, so that you can attest of the grace and strength he gives you in your weakness and your illness. So uh, first part of praying in faith is that God can do this. You have the confidence he can do whatever we ask. The second part is that we trust and we have the confidence that God will do what's right. And the third part is that we choose to trust God even when his answer is not what we want. We trust him. As Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. We pray not what I want, God, but what's right, what you determine is right. So if you're here or listening online or listening to our podcast, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the prayer God wants to hear. God wants to hear you say, Lord, please forgive my sins and save my soul. And God will answer that one. Because he said, whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. So we can have confidence God will answer that one. But there are times when we pray and we're sure that we know what's right and God knows better. I can't tell you how many times in my life where I prayed for something and God did something else. And eventually I learned to appreciate what God did. Now let me tell you something else. You might not appreciate it in this life, but you will in the life to come. When God reveals his plan to you, then you'll appreciate those times when he said no. So is life going to hurt? Yes. What are you going to do? Talk to God about it. Trusting him to do what's right and choosing to trust him even when he says no. Lord, I just thank you that you do listen, that you care. I, uh, you knew this Sunday was coming when I didn't know it was coming till yesterday. Well, I knew Sunday was coming, but I didn't know what it'd be like till yesterday. Lord, you allow things into our lives. You allow things into our hearts, and we trust you. We know that you love us and you care for us, and you will do what's right. And so we pray that uh, you would do for us what you did for that man in the Gospels who said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Lord, we believe and help us to trust you even in the most difficult times of life. Those who are on the road, those who are on vacation, those who are out sick, uh, those who need healing, those who are lonely, Lord, I pray that you will encourage, uplift, and strengthen those who love and follow you. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.